I listened to the audio commentary, which was fun. And uh, MGG was on it. And one of the writers and MGG, Matthew Gagebuehler, um, he backed up some of the stuff that I said about this episode, actually. <laughs> oh, wait, for real? Love that for yeah. us, actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh when the time comes i'll mention it there's also a lot of like fun facts but yeah this episode i know okay i know this episode is reed centric he is the least interesting part of this episode he for sure is the least interesting part of this episode yeah yeah like you know sad whatever flashbacks cool mommy issues but the character work that's being done and the interesting like relationships between the team and what doesn't happen are so interesting that every time it flashbacks to read, I'm like, okay, I get it. You're kidnapped. I <laughs> understand back. you're kidnapped. Can you stop <laughs> being on screen for a little bit? I want to yeah. talk about JJ and Emily. <laughs> like Literally. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I'm making up a lot of Emily and JJ's character development, you know, because I like write fan fiction for them and I talk about all them all the time and I'm like oh I've made up so much stuff and then I watch an episode like this and I'm like no yeah 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 like sure yeah this is all gay subtext but it is so barely subtext like this but, is practically text you know yes, what I mean yes but even shipping aside like the, the development of their relationship is just good yeah but even like the individual stuff we get about emily and then like the, the stuff we see about jj like as you know their own characters is so interesting yeah like they they really i think the two of them really are the center of this episode both their i guess their relationship but then also just like them as people yeah they had they had more to do than i than I thought they did this episode. I don't remember yeah. them having like a big thing to do this up, but like when I watched this, I was like, oh, JJ's like here a lot. Yeah, this is actually a big JJ episode. And then we get some hints about Emily stuff. So let's dive into it. Let's just dive into it with the groovy song they're playing at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, I cannot play Sympathy for the Devil. So we're going to play this our theme song. Also groovy, just in a different way. In a different way, yeah. Hey, B, welcome to the studio. So glad to have you here today. Would you like to join me, James, in talking about Season 2, Episode 15, Revelations? James, I would love to join you in talking about Criminal Minds Season 2, Episode 15, Revelations. In the studio here today, a fun energy. Yeah, fun, fucking fresh. I love that you've made this little, like, mind palace space for us. <laughs> here in okay, our real two talk. studios. Yeah. If we had a physical studio. Yes. What are the little, like color items we would put around our studio oh interesting this is just a fun like interior design question but like what do you think we would have on our studio set okay okay you mean like if this were a tv show with if like, this a were, like a video podcast that we did where we okay. sat 
at a desk or on a couch every week and we talked about criminal minds what okay. would be on our little like side tables well first we would have two cameras one pointed at each of our faces because i do have to be facing you i can't do the like news anchor of sitting course. next to you staring at a camera obviously oh god no that would no. be a nightmare no can i can i be the first to suggest an item yes yes please do can i do like a mug with emily's face on it can that be like my item that i have Yes. For whatever beverage. I think I deserve an Emily Prentice head mug. I think I would be curled up with a big blanket of JJ's face. Oh, also true. Like those matching t-shirts we have. I think we yes. should get like a blanket in that style. <laughs> oh, no, no, I got it. It's a um, Snuggie with Emily oh, and Snuggie. JJ's face all over it like you know how you can get like blankets with like you pictures of you yeah. and like your person that but it's jj and emily and we have matching snuggies oh that's really good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i also think just because i think it would be funny yes i think we have a a buy flag with aaron hotchner's face on it <gasps> yes i think that would be really good emotionally <laughs> and my my mug of non branded liquid would say mrs dr spencer reed ironically <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only we weren't separated by half of a country i think we would have the best worst interior decorating yeah. for a podcast ever and i have garcia's unicorn mug i have That's that so mug true. So I would have that just like, but it, it has like pens in it. You know, it'd be like, yeah. we'd, have, we'd have a little coffee table with like that. And then um, what else would we have on our little like decorative coffee table? What are like criminal minds things? We'd have like a nameplate that says wheels up. Oh, so true. You know? So true. And then instead of actual bookshelves, we have a framed picture on the wall behind us of like what Aaron Hotchner's office looks like. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> we just have a photorealistic set of just like, just the photo of Aaron Hotchner's office. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's oh, not in I it. I really love all of that. No one's in it. It's just the it's, empty it's office. It's just the photo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, somebody who's really good at Photoshop, get on that. Photoshop <laughs> me and James into, into the studio of our dreams. <laughs> Sorry, you just, you made a studio in my mind and I was like, I would if we're having the same brain picture right now there's only one is something issue I often wonder. Mm -hmm. last issue we are missing something for derek Ooh, true what would be like a day there's just like a couple of barbells off to the <laughs> side and it's like there's derek i feel like we could have a derek bobblehead stop it a shamar more bobblehead no yeah no we have the pick on the coffee table. There is a framed photo of a shirtless Shamar Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. I dig yeah. that a lot. <laughs> we have our Garcia just... mug with pe colorful pens. It's just like our little angel. We have some candles around it. It's yeah. a little shrine oh to Shamar God. Moore shirtless. <laughs> yeah, the coffee table is exclusively a unicorn mug with colorful pens for Garcia. <laughs> A framed, like a gold framed picture of Shamar Moore shirtless from his modeling <laughs> days. And then we both are wearing Jamily onesies, drinking out of Spencer Reed mugs. We've got our buy Hotch flag on the wall. 
right beside a framed photo of Hotch's empty office. That's the studio. Hi, welcome to the studio. Today we're recording an episode of Reels Up. Can I make one more suggestion? Yes. Just in the corner somewhere, Mm -hmm. Gideon Bobblehead. Yes, I will accept it. Thank you. I will accept it. You're welcome. And a bottle of scotch (laughs) for Rossi. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, don't apologize. I derailed us literally immediately. (laughs) We didn't have a chance. Derailed, good episode. (laughs) Great episode, best of season one. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, so Revelations. Revelations. They play a really groovy song at the beginning that does not match the vibe. No, it's Sympathy for the Devil, which is a great song. Great song. Love it. Beautiful, wonderful. So let's talk about the name Revelations. Okay, yeah. So there's Revelations, like the book in the Bible. But, you know, when you have a revelation, it's meaning you're realizing something, right? Or remembering something. And then Mm -hmm. Revelations as in something has been revealed to you. Oh, apparently they had to argue to have Sympathy of the Devil put there. People, like, didn't want it to be Sympathy of the Devil. But the writer it's was a like, bad song to put at the beginning of this episode. I'm great song, bad <laughs> vibe choice, bad yeah. choice. I mean, it's a religious song. Vaguely, sure. I would have done like Highway to Hell because he's driving. Highway to Hell would have been better. Anything would have been better. Living on a prayer. What are religious songs that aren't, like, religious songs? It's just, like, such a bad song to put at the beginning of this very serious episode. Yeah. So we start... Oh, yeah, it starts off with the cops pulling up to Hankel. Okay, wait, we need to do the recap. Okay, yeah. What happened last time? I will say the recap of this episode was, like, good. They did, like, three scenes and then they were out. It was not a Mm -hmm. Fisher King Part 2 situation where they recapped the whole episode. They were like, here's three things you need to know. We're done. Yeah, and I think that it it shows what we were saying that enough happened in the last episode that they can't just recap the whole episode, you know, and make me be yeah. like, why did I even watch this? So they showed yeah. they showed him working the video camera, talking about sinners, showing that the video went viral, um, the dogs and how their dogs were reported, and they're like, who reported them? And then JJ's like. Hankel, Tobias Hankel, it's me, the FBI. And then it shows Reed separating himself from JJ and then the reveal of Hankel having multiple personalities. Everything we needed to know, just a little bite Good size. recap. Yeah. Yeah, good recap for sure. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to bring this up a lot, so I feel like we just need to talk about it right off the bat. JJ gets treated incredibly poorly this episode. Like shit. She gets treated like shit this episode. And for me, it's not just that like Derek is really dismissive of her guilt and like ignores her trauma, but like she is given no time to handle things. Like she had to shoot four dogs who had just eaten a human alive 
And when they come to get her, she is so in shock that Emily has to like snap her out of it. And then she's just like still in her bloody clothes for half the episode. And there is not a scene. I mean, I know Emily is like, hey, are you okay? But other than that one fucking line, there is not a scene where anyone ever acknowledges that JJ has been through something. Yeah. It is completely ignored. And I think that's to this episode's detriment. Yes. Because it like, I know they had to take time to talk about Reed and all of his stuff, but it just like, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't track to me that like everybody was being so dismissive. Like I get it, you're worried about Reed, but also like your coworker is jumpy and has a gun. Maybe unpack that like a little bit here. But I think it's not even just being dismissive. Like Derek is dismissive dismissive of her and I have something to say from the commentary about that but Gideon Hotch neither of them ever even talk to JJ about what happened even Garcia doesn't they have one conversation and it's when JJ wants to watch the new video there is no screen time devoted to this beyond when she has like the jump scare with Emily and almost shoots Emily and then they don't even like say anything about it yeah I just really don't understand. Like, I think that AJ Cook did really well. And I have a lot of little notes that she, like, put things in that show her state of mind. And and she did a really good job of, like, making JJ's stuff present. But the episode itself, the writing, gives no screen time to it. Yeah. And I just think that's wildly unfair. It's such a... So many people... Like, this is... This could be the such a good JJ episode. Yes. And I think that, you know, a lot of people do in the fandom and, you know, audience do blame JJ for Reed's kidnapping when it is absolutely not her fault. It's 1000% Reed's fault. 1000%. And he even says when they meet up again, you know, don't apologize. You have nothing to apologize for. It's not your fault, you know, but she's really like, I don't want to call it like sexism. It doesn't feel like sexism, but like she's barely older than he is. She's incredibly young. She's not experienced in the field and nobody is acknowledging that she went through any sort of trauma. Can I? Yes. Can can I say mm-hmm. three words? Mm-hmm. Eldest daughter syndrome. Yeah. That's it really what this is. feels like almost. You know what I mean? I Yes. She like, she is a confident woman and therefore everyone expects her to have her shit together and take care of poor little baby Reed. Poor little guy. Just a poor little guy. Just a poor little guy. When she's like three years older than him, Max. She's my age. I can't yeah. imagine going through something like that. But everyone really just like ignores it. And it's something that I think about a lot, especially going forward when she does, you know, get older, that like she, they start treating her as if she's much older and much more experienced than she is. Yeah, you know, for sure. And like, yeah, Reed's younger than her. His age is, he's younger, but they have the same time experience, you know, like in the FBI. Well, because Reed is my age, right? He's 24? Yeah. Well, he's 25. 25, okay. 
So he's like 25, and JJ's what, 28? Yeah. 29? 28. That's just so... Yeah. Like, if we got into a situation like that, right? Oh my god. I would not expect you to take care of me in that case, you know? Like, yes. that's that's literally the age gap we're talking about, right? Yeah. It's just, it's so wild to me that they're like, he's a little incompetent boy. It's like, no, I pay fucking taxes at 24. Yeah, you know? and also, like, he has three PhDs. He's been through schooling. He's been through FBI training. We don't know yet that he didn't pass his physical exams, yeah. you know? So as far as we know, he is, he and JJ have the same amount of training, and I'd even say he's probably been at the BAU longer than she has. Yeah, that definitely she, tracks. She's had to, I think she's been with the BAU. When I think about time, she went to grad school, probably graduated at 23, did her like six months of FBI training. So let's say she goes into the field at 24 and you don't just jump right away to the BAU. Yeah. So she's had four years of field experience, whereas he's 24. We know he's been with the BAU for at least two years, and he got picked out of academy. So like, okay, maybe she has a couple more years than him, but she's an administrator. She's a desk agent. She's like... She's a PR person. Literally. And I don't know why they're acting like she should have done so much better and done so much else. You know, and I think that Emily is the only one who really sees that as the other woman on the team. I guess Penelope, but yeah. Penelope's, you know, off in her own little room. But Emily, and I'll point it out when it happens several times throughout the episode, notices when JJ is reacting to something in a certain way. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it really is just like women, you know, the other woman is notices what JJ is going through and the men like don't even look at her. Yeah, and then also that's kind of funny when later in the episode Emily calls out sex, like yeah. Hotch's blatant sexism. <laughs> yes. Like, hey, you're not realizing that my friend is very much struggling here in the yes. name of being a team leader. Like, come on. Yes. And I think that this moment in terms of JJ's character arc is like, you know, a, a core moment of JJ's character because... This is the episode she learns that her team will not comfort her. Yeah. She's yeah. learning that she can be visibly struggling, covered in blood, her arm bandaged from a dog bite, jumping at reflections, pointing guns at coworkers, can't sleep, like barely talking, keeps disassociating, and her team doesn't fucking notice she's like being told that she does not matter as much as reed does in this episode and i think that sticks with her she hides a relationship from the team for a year we see in season three that you know she struggles a little bit and hotch finally fucking notices it and they have one little convo but it's like she deals with a lot and they don't yeah. see it and i think that that just shows JJ that she has to be strong. She has to always have it together because her team isn't going to be there for her. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. It's frustrating, but we'll it's see it. Frustrating. We'll see it forever. And also like, 
you know, her sister killed herself when JJ was 11 and JJ blames herself for it. We know that she does. And we know that her mom blames her for it. Well, I guess technically we don't yet, but you know, us who've seen more know that. Um, So think about like, what if it had, you know, quote unquote, been her fault that Reed died? That's just a second person that she cared about that she couldn't protect, you know, and both are unfounded, you know, blame. But when you're that, that person who's being blamed, you would internalize it. Yeah, I get you. (sighs) JJ. Anyway, the episode. So dirty. I know. I will. Okay. So as we're 20 minutes into recording. I know. Okay. Yes. The cops show up to Hankel's. Gideon and Hotch go to the house. Derek and Emily go to the barn. We see Derek and Emily. They see the dead dogs, the like bed covered in blood. And Derek is like, oh my God. And JJ jumps up with her gun and she's like, FBI, don't move. Clearly, like, cannot recognize her own teammates. Yes. And when they get her to lower the gun, she's just like, I had to shoot them. I had to shoot them. They were going to like kill me, you know? And this is a little moment of Emily character development, character moment. Emily knows that JJ is going to respond to authority. So she like drops her like, oh my God, I'm so new and shy mask and is like, JJ, Look at me. Where is Reed? And we see Emily in this, like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's like a leader. Yeah. Where did that come from? I didn't really realize that that switch had happened, but like, yeah, you're so right. Yeah, this whole scene right here, Emily kind of goes back and forth with like the mask and not the mask, which I think is why JJ ends up bringing it up later. But, like, Mm -hmm. in this moment, she drops that mask and she's like, JJ, you know, I'm the authority figure. Tell me, where is this? What's going on? And then JJ looks away and Emily lingers looking at her, kind of taking in all of the signs of trauma on her fucking face. All the signs of really blatant trauma. Yeah. Um, And JJ's like, we split up. He went into the cornfield. So Derek goes. Um. I'm going to just do this little bit and stay on Emily and then we'll go back. Um, so JJ's in the ambulance. It's raining, apparently. It for rained. five minutes in Georgia? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, it just rained for like five seconds. And then that's why this one scene that it rains in and never again. I didn't even notice that um, until I heard the commentary. And I was just like, oh yeah, I guess it does rain only in this scene. <laughs> Um, but JJ's Emotionally, in the ambulance. Emotionally, I was like, oh, yeah, this fits. You know, there's right. rain now because everything's sad. But then I'm, I thought about it. I'm like, there's nowhere else in the episode no. that it is raining. No. Even when it cuts to like Henkel driving, no rain. No rain. Only no in rain. this scene. <laughs> um, but J- Emily is talking to the sheriff. And also, I think that this is Emily has also like dropped the mask here, too, because she's talking to the ther- sheriff. She's got her arm on his back and is like, any sign of Reed? No. Okay, go keep looking. And then JJ's like, what? They couldn't find him? And Emily's like, well, not yet. It's okay. And then Derek touches Emily's back. And Emily suddenly, like, mask up, turns around and is like, yes, what is it? Oh, I'm so worried for Reed. But then the sheriff is like, 
talking on his walkie and Emily just like mask drop, just walks around Derek as if he doesn't exist and is like, what's the information? Have you found him? What is going on? And then when Derek speaks again, she like jumps and like gestures for him to lead the way because she's like, remember that she's not in charge here. <laughs> I just, I really so liked the subtle like Paget's acting in this, like one little bit where suddenly it's like, Emily's really worried about Reed and she wants to do what she can. So she's like not pretending she's not an authority figure, you know? <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Okay. Hotch and Gideon go into the house. There's no one in the house, but they find the computer bay. And they're like, where the fuck is he? And then it cuts to Hankel driving in the truck. Okay, Reed is on the floor of the passenger seat. Extremely just like beat the fuck down. That's Yes, but also he's like six foot something. He's folded. <laughs> he is absolutely folded like a chair. Well, the truth is, when they were filming this, Matthew Gray Goopler's legs were hanging out the side of the car because he doesn't fucking fit there. So, like, there's that shot, and that's why it's only half of his body because the other half of his body wasn't in the car because he doesn't fit in that spot. He doesn't fit there. Um, I did laugh at that. Uh, and then, oh, the sheriff told Emily a man fitting Hinkle's description asked for directions to a motel in Fort Bend. And then we see Hinkle driving and he gets to like a, a split in the road and he doesn't go to Fort Bend. Bum, bum, bum. We get our Hinkle flashback and he's like, why are we driving so far? And then his dad says, if you want to be close to God, sometimes you have to take the journey. And he's basically like, when you start hunting, you can find a peaceful place. We see meat burning on a tire. Okay, I need to tell you about this situation. So many things wrong with that. So I know. many. I know. But continue, yes. So in real life, they filmed in this tiny, tiny shack. It was like 20 degrees outside, freezing. MTG was actually chained to that chair. And they kept being afraid the chair was going to break. And they really did burn fish hearts and livers. So the it was a 20 degree tiny shed that smelled like burning fish hearts and livers why did they torture their actors for this show i have it's for real not that serious i know but apparently james vanderbeek was like a good sport sure hope he was otherwise they were gonna get fucking sued i know but apparently like so many of the shots in that like shed are the way that they are because like they didn't want to have to turn all the cameras around in this tiny ass space so they were like what if i'm just like behind him in this scene (laughs) (laughs) yeah so true honestly though kind of a mood because this is still when they were filming on like actual film huge film cameras yeah so cameras were fucking large yes I just thought that was so crazy that they were actually in this like tiny shed. It was freezing. He was chained to the chair the entire time. He also like sprained a muscle when he like got knocked back in the chair. MGG like sprained something. He said that he thought he had a hernia, but it was just like a muscle spray. (laughs) But fuck, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, and something else I thought was cool that I found out. James Vanderbeek filmed... Dan Swayze, who plays Charles, 
saying the lines in order to imitate him. And that's why he could imitate him so well. He did a really good job this episode. I yeah. gotta say, he did a really just yes. knockout good job. He was so good. And they were saying that during the read through, sometimes like they couldn't tell if like Swayze had spoken or if Vanderbeek spoke. He did a really good job. I just, I got yes. like great yes. fucking job. Yeah, if he had done not as good a job, it would have been so dumb and cheesy. Yeah. You know, but, but instead, he did such a good job. Yeah, he's so scary. Raphael says, they're gone. Just me. And Rita's like, who are you? And he's like, Raphael. And Reed's like, cool, cool. Um, What's that fucking smell, dude? <laughs> hey, cool, cool, cool that you got me tied up. Can we make it smell less in here, please? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hate the smell of that. What is that? Can you imagine, though? You've had the shit kicked out of you. You haven't eaten. It's terrible. You're frightened. You're nauseous. And then he's burning fish hearts and livers. Like, forget Ugh, it. Yeah. yeah. So, Raphael says, I'm burning fish hearts to keep away the devil. So, I looked up where the Bible says that. So, it's from Tobit 6, 18 to 17. It's like actually a conversation between Raphael and Tobias. Tobias is a character in Tobit. Which I didn't know last time, but now I do. Hmm. Yeah. So the quote okay. is, as for the fish's heart and liver, if you burn them to make smoke in the presence of a man or a woman who is afflicted by a demon or evil spirit, any affliction will flee and never return. Damn, really like big cure all there, huh? Well, here's Any the... affliction, all affliction, do it. <laughs> fish no. hearts and livers, baby. Let me tell you the story. So Tobias is going to marry Sarah, who's maybe like his cousin. Mm, uh, yeah. Okay. But Sarah has had seven husbands and every single one of them died on their wedding night as soon as they put it in her. <laughs> and Tobias is so like... True. Absolutely toxic pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny Fuck. yeah but tobias is like hey Raphael, my man i'll do it like i like her she's cool i feel kindred with her um she's got a demon that kills in her vagina in her vagina she has a demon in her vagina and when men with penises like me put their penis in her they do die and Raphael's like yeah, 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 yeah. Burn fish hearts and livers and like pray and you'll be good. And I think he is. So that's a fun little. So do the fish hearts and liver work because they scare away women with demonic vaginas from you? Or do they work? That's a good Because <laughs> you just don't remember how ill you are. <laughs> God. All you can focus on is how bad the smell is right now. Also, like, he's burning them on a tire, so it smells like fish hearts and livers and burning and tires. burning rubber, yeah. yeah. Why are you doing it on a fucking tire? Oh. You're yeah. in a shed. Put that shit on a rake over a fire. Like, what he, the fuck? He has, like, a fire, like a furnace. So, like, I don't... No. I don't know. All right. 
Raphael is like, hey, I hear you can see inside of men's minds. Which, like, how would you know? How would Tobias have learned that they're profilers? I don't know. Spencer's like, no, I just study human behavior. And then we're going to play a little um, Russian roulette. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. For fun. For just for fun. Just a little for fun. Raphael holds up a bullet and says, do you know what this is? God's will. And I really wanted Reed to be like, a bullet? That's a bullet. <laughs> it's a bullet. Yes, I know what a bullet is. I'm, I have a gun. Like, no. And then Reed does like a pathetic little squirmy squirm. He does a lot of squirming this episode. Uh, so you know how he like screams a lot like when his feet are getting hit? And yeah. he sounds pathetic. Apparently yeah. the director, like every time they did that scene, the whole crew would be laughing and MGG was like, why are you laughing? And the director was like, I need you to do it again, but this time don't scream like a girl. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes on the comment, but also I rewatched Very funny. I rewatched it and was like, oh no, yeah, okay. Yeah, yikes thing to say to somebody, but that yeah. is very funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and then we get the credits five minutes in. This also, it's not 11 minutes, still feels so long. They get the a lot of shit done in this pre-credits. <laughs> a lot of shit. A lot of shit. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Hodge picked Garcia up at the airport and drove her to... Them. Oh, oh, oh. I looked up the address of Marshall Parish. Okay. It is two hours from Atlanta. Two hours. That's two so hours. far. Yes. And it's only 17 miles from, like, whatever the house was. Like, it's not that far from Device's house. So, like, they had to drive so far from the fucking Atlanta field office. Like, two hours. Um, oh, it's two and a half hours away. So they had to drive like two hours to get to Tobias Henkel's house. I just like, Garcia's like, you know, there's hotels in Georgia. And Hotch is like, we're not splitting our time between the field office and here. And now that I know it's like a two hour drive, I'm like, yeah, Garcia, like in what world do you get to like four hour round trip? But also there are hotels in that shitty little town. Yeah. For sure there are hotels in that shitty little town. I mean, we know that he asked about a motel in Fort Bend. So, like... Motels do exist here. I don't know. Yeah, like, the scene where Derek is like, JJ, get some rest. I'm like, where? where? Bitch, where? <laughs> Bitch, where? I was like, the back of the SUV? Like, I guess. I guess. Like, she's not sleeping on Hankel's couch or in his bed or in his dead dad's bed. Like, get some rest where they're all up for like 72 hours like that cannot help jj's mental state and she's already hallucinating like three hours after she had to shop to those dogs like how is she gonna be doing in like 72 hours <laughs> literally not good okay anyway i did write a little heart next to hotch driving all the way to the airport to get garcia that's he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Also, like, can he's you imagine the two-hour drive back with Garcia oh, and Hush? Kind of actually would be really fun. Yes. Yes. 
And she's in her little, like, shawl. <sighs> Garcia's that bitch who's like, cows, cows, horses. For sure. <laughs> For sure she is that bitch who's like, cows, cows, look at the cows. Yeah, and Hodge is like, when you've seen one cow, you've seen them all. <laughs> the cows are no different than the last time you yelled cows. Yeah. And yet, she will mm-hmm. keep yelling. Mm-hmm. So then Garcia's like walking in and Hotch is like, the house matters. We're profiling it, you know, trying to figure out like, what, what would the house tell us if it could talk? And Garcia goes, I think my guess would be it told us to get the hell out. Yeah. And she's right. She is right. And she's so right. I just like the little double entendre of like, get the hell out and then like, get the hell out. Thank you. I'll be here all week. All right. Uh, she goes inside. The team is going through notebooks. And Emily is like, bruh, he wrote so many journals. I hate this. He must have spent a long ass time writing journals every day. You well, know? some of the entries were only like a line or two, but some of them were pretty long. But to do that like every day. Like every hour of every day? That takes up a lot of your time. A lot of your time. Yeah, it's too much. Gideon tells Garcia that the computer is an extension of his brain. Go profile it. JJ's like, I don't think this guy left this house for years. And Gideon's like, it makes sense that he like, did that in Fort Bend. Like, It wasn't to throw us off our track. It's because he's never had an experience with the p- police go south. So it like reassures him that God's on his side. That he keeps getting away. Yeah. yeah. So Garcia goes to his computers and she's like, Hankel is self-taught. And Derek goes, tell me what this son of a bitch watches online. Hilarious. <laughs> Garcia's like, he just kind of looks like a super smart high school kid. Like that's what this computer looks like. I also wrote, nobody ever comments on any of the Bible verses he has glued to his computers. And if they're profiling him, like, I would look at what he's chosen to put on his computer. Or what was chosen for him to be on the computer. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't even mention it, which is like, okay. They also don't mention the absolutely outrageous amount of Pipes game, like, screenshot (laughs) screensavers that are there. And I was like, I was looking at it the whole time. And I was just like, (laughs) God, that's so many Pipes games. I know, I know. And Derek says it doesn't make sense that his computer is just the webcam sites because, like, he would need that, like, constant violent stimulation. And Garcia's like, sorry, dude, it's, like, just these webcams. And, oh, I learned that, like, the pictures of the people on there and the cameras, some of them are, like, the props guy's wife and, like, random pictures of crew members and stuff. Yeah, that for sure seems like something that they were just like, who's around the studio today? Hey, do you want to take a camera home? I need like 30 minutes of looping footage if you could, please. Yeah, (laughs) the woman who Reed chooses to save that like hangs up the phone, you know, that goes to the computer, Mm -hmm. that's the props guy's wife. (laughs) Oh, so true. Hilarious. I mean, she doesn't have any lines. She doesn't need to be equity. Okay. Exactly. They don't need to pay her. No. So then Derek points out that all of the webcam pictures and footage are labeled. 
adulterer or liar or thief. And he's like, this guy just sits here all day and waits for signs. And Garcia is like, well, Reed doesn't have, is he going to have any signs? He doesn't have any sin. He's completely innocent. And Derek says, if you dig deep enough, we all have our sins. I would like to take a moment to talk about this. Uh-huh. I made a list of some sins Reed could have confessed to. Okay. Not out of any sort of malice. I was just like, if I were in a chair, what would the sins I confess to be? So I said, you know, if he's going seven deadly sins, he could confess like lust and talk about like Lila and how he like wanted to kiss her so bad that he lied to her. Yeah. Um, I also said like envy for like Derek, you know, like Derek's hot and cool and that's what Reed wants to be, but isn't. Or he could do pride and be like, I'm too like, I'm arrogant because of my intelligence. And then I said, even like, well, I made a note that ended up being what it was, but I was like the whole thing, commandment of like loving thy mother and father, where like, ultimately he says his sin was being unable to care for his mother and having to put her in a home, which personally I think is the most caring thing he's ever done. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have some things to say about that, but yeah. Yes. But I said, like, he's maybe the fact that, like, he didn't remember he, like, put her in that home and then he didn't go see her again for, like, a yeah. very long time. That's what I would say for his sin. Yeah, I was like, he wants to love his mom, but he struggles because it's, I mean, it's hard to love someone who doesn't, you know, loves a two-way street, I believe. Yeah. And if she doesn't know who you are most of the time, how are That's you? That's hard. Like, what is there to love, you know? Yeah. Um. That sounds like so bad. I hope you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's hard to have a relationship with someone who doesn't know who you are. So I was like, there's some sins you could just right off the bat. Just kind of get them out of the way. Just be like, yeah, I'll confess my sins. I'm um, lustful. I'm envious. I'm prideful. You know, like he could have done that. You know, you could even like take gluttony to like reading all of these books and like consuming knowledge too much you know like there's you could make it work he doesn't he's like i have no sins by and then his sin is getting his mother help it's weird it's sorry guys it's not a sin to put your mentally ill mother in a place where she can be cared for yeah they really again very much on the demonizing mental health train here, as they always are. I also think it's an extension of what we saw in season one with Gideon's whole, like, families have to stay together, families have to stay together. Yeah. You know, if you get a divorce, you're a bad person. Bullshit. Where, like, if you put your mother in a home instead of caring for her. But, like, at that point, he was 18. So he had already been, like, away at college, leaving her alone. So the fact that he came back to make sure, like, he could have just left. He for sure could have just left. You know, and he went to MIT, so he flew across the country to go to college. But he still came back when he was 18 to make sure she was put in a good home and then paid for that home. And he wrote her daily letters. Like, that's not his sin. I'm sorry, criminal minds, but you're wrong. Yeah, not to be like Spencer Reed kind of sucks, but like, because Spencer Reed does suck, but you're hating on him all wrong. You're doing it wrong, basically. This is an episode that when I think about it, I'm like, ugh, Spencer, blah, blah, blah. 
But actually rewatching it, I'm not as upset with Spencer as I remember being. Yeah. You know, I feel bad for him. I think that he could have gotten out of that if he, well, I mean, but the thing is, is even when he confesses his sin, Hanko finds a way to kill him anyway. Yes. So I just, yeah, I don't know. Again, though, he is like, like if you were tied to a chair, how, how coherent would you be? True. But if I'm tied to a chair and somebody's asking me about my sins, if I'm Spencer Reed, I am just talking nonstop at that point. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they didn't have him just like... That's like a common Spencer Reed strategy. But he was also like, but in his defense, he was like... High. Concussed. Well, yes, concussed and then high. Like, I get it. I understand. You're Still not coherent right enough mind. to quote the Bible. Yeah. Still coherent enough to quote the fucking Bible, though. Like, and quote it know. wrong, which is harder than quoting it right. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. If you dig deep enough, we all have sins. Great. Good job, Derek. Good job. Reed wakes up the next morning. His head is bloody. Charles kicks the door open with his foot. And he's got like a bundle of wood in his arms. And Reed's like, I, you're not Raphael. <laughs> and Charles goes, do I look like Raphael? And Reed's like, well. <laughs> yes, but I can't say I mean, that right now. <laughs> right. And he's like, thanks for burning the fish hearts and livers. And Charles is like, fuck you. Don't try and trick me. And Reed's like, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I was just like, saying yeah, thanks, I guess. I was just saying thanks. Uh, and then he takes Reed's shoes off. And then Reed says, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Which is from Leviticus. And Leviticus is a book that focuses on holiness. And this quote that Spencer said comes right before all of the, like, commandments and laws that God put into place. Like, the book of Leviticus is the one that's like, don't eat shellfish. Don't eat this. You know, that's Leviticus is, like, the rules. So, like, re-quoting it is, like, oh, interesting. So I asked my friend Bridget, shout out, uh, she does not listen to this. What shout this out to Bridget meant. who is not listening to this. Shout out, girl. Shout out. Shout out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but I asked her, like, so this quote, does this quote mean, like, I, you know, we are created in God's image. So if God is holy, then I'm holy. Or does it mean God is holy and we should strive to be God, uh, you know, like God? So we should try to be holy. And she says it's like kind of both. People interpret it both ways. So like Reed could be saying like, well, hey, well, hey, I'm holy. I'm holy. God holy me holy. Or Reed is like, hey, I know the laws. I, I'm holy. I know the laws. I'm holy. I'm doing it. You know. God holy me holy. <laughs> God holy me holy. <laughs> That's one of those phrases that I feel like if we said it one or two more times, it will cease to be words. So we absolutely <laughs> cannot say it. <laughs> okay. God holy me holy. It's okay. going to cease to be words. We can't do this. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Reed says the Leviticus. And he's like, I know every word of the Bible. I can quote the whole thing to you. Give me a first off. I can do it. And then Charles goes, the devil knows how to read too. <laughs> 
Which is really Which funny. Is like, it's a very funny, but it's also the point that you're like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to die. There's nothing he can do. He's, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Charles, like, confess your sin and slaps the bottom of his foot with a belt. Um, this is why I put all the sins that we could confess to, uh, but he doesn't. So let me go back to the team. Emily finds a list of NA meetings with someone's name and number, but it's a schedule that's like 12 years old. And Gideon's like, you might as well try it, like try everything. He peels wallpaper, Paul. Uh-huh. He peels, stop having a speech moment. He peels wallpaper off to find a phrase in Latin um, that means honor thy father. And they said in the commentary that apparently they were like, it's really hard to translate Latin these days. Which I can't imagine in the internet age it is, but okay. They had to go well, to a to priest. Well, to be fair, they were in like 2005, Seven. right? Seven? 2007. Okay. I can see how pre- good proliferation of online resources, it would be difficult to translate Latin. I think there was a time where it was really difficult to translate Latin, and then now there's a time where it's really pretty easy to translate Latin, and I think they hit just the low spot between those two times. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> like, it used to be really easy. People, yeah, the number of people who knew Latin and the churches that were trying to make everybody learn Latin were like going up right. in a bar graph and then down. And I think the proliferation of online resources was sort of like started at zero and then sure. went up from there. So I think they kind of hit the inverse point. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Sure, sure. Sure. Uh, but they had to ask. Sure, sure. Sure. Sorry. That's fine. They had to go find a priest to translate this for him, hmm. which I liked in real life. Go off priests. So then we go off priests. So true. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're helpful, I guess, for things other than religious things. So thanks, priests. <laughs> sure. Okay. Then we Hard get cut. this priest. <laughs> Hard cut. <laughs> We're pulling a JJ. So then JJ is in the bathroom uh, crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, she's in the bathroom. She's all like upset. She's like trying to clean the blood off her face. Her arm is all wrapped. I was like, is no one concerned she has rabies? Yeah, like, did she get a rabies shot? Like, I feel like there's more concerns that should have been had here when dealing with rabid dogs who just ate somebody. Like I, I really wish at the very least they had gotten her like an oversized sweater and like sweatpants to wear. Like if it looked like she had had a shower, you know, but no, they were like, no, you're going to wear that blood stained button down in your dress pants and your heels, your blood covered heely boots. Ugh. And you're not even allowed a ponytail. Ugh. Like, okay. The indignity of it all. <laughs> truly. Truly. Also, I think this is the first time we see it. Maybe the first or the second time, but JJ has this little um, tick, I guess, or not tick. JJ has this habit of when she gets stressed of running her hands through her hair when it's yeah. middle parted. So she gets this like these two bumps and we'll see it every time she gets stressed. You can tell how stressed she is. By how fucked up her like 
Harris. Middle part. Harris. <laughs> yeah. So true. Um, it's real bad. It's real bad in this scene. So she's like looking in the mirror and the camera moves. And I think it's like, you know, Emily has come into the doorway, but JJ sees her and like hears a dog growling and sees the dog in the mirror and like scrambles for her gun. And then she turns around and Emily's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> calm down there. JJ, it's me. It's me, your lesbian friend. <laughs> it's me, your gay friend. Come on, you don't want to lose your gay friend. Also, Emily is in her, like, pressed suit still. Hasn't even taken her fucking blazer off. Listen. Amazing. She's got shit to do. She's got uh, bigger yeah, fish guess. to fry. Bigger <laughs> shit to worry about than whatever the fuck her comfort with her blazer is. Bigger fish to fry. But, um, anyway. You know, with the hearts and the things. Anyway, JJ's like, sorry, you scared me. And then Emily says, JJ goes, I'm sorry, you scared me. And Emily goes, I'm sorry. And it's just like a little moment of like, oh, I'm sorry you're going through this. Because no one's fucking like considered JJ at all ever. Okay. She invites, Emily invites JJ to talk to the NA guy in the morning and is like, let's get you out of the house. And then JJ's like, hey, Emily, why does none of this get to you? You came off a desk job and now you're surrounded by mutilated bodies and you don't even flinch. And then Hodge appears out of nowhere to be like, yeah, Emily. Yeah, he just kind of shows up. What is his deal? He just kind of like, hey, I heard we're having a conversation between two ladies. I got to make sure that that cannot happen. Like He's he like an anti-Betchdil test. <laughs> One, Bechdel, not Betchdil. Sorry. No, it's fine. Two. Still stands. Ali- Point still stands. Still stands. Two, Allison Bechdel um, and JJ are from the same place. That's a little <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> How do you just know that? It's because I did my thesis on Allison Bechdel's memoir. <laughs> That's why. They're like, Emily, you're mad suspicious. <laughs> and Emily says, I guess I compartmentalize better than most people. Which is like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? Um, but then the writer who wrote this episode says like, oh, everyone thinks it's leading up to something. And he's like, and it kind of sort of is leading up to something. But like, nothing comes of it for four more seasons. <laughs> extremely slow burn when it comes to Emily's backstory rollout here. Like, I do think this episode shows us that they had an idea of Emily's backstory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but they did this in Emily's, like, fifth episode? Yeah. No, she shows up in, yeah, fifth episode. They have this hint, and then it takes four more years (laughs) To learn what the fuck is up with Emily Prentice. And you know what? Sometimes that's just how it is, you know? It takes a long time to uh, get like a high enough friendship level to unlock Emily's backstory. Must be a level five friend. Exactly. I do like the idea that they were like right away. They're like, oh, Emily. Yeah, she's suspicious. Um, That's a core character trait of hers is that she is suspicious. Emily's core character trait is that she's sexy and you're not allowed to know anything about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And honestly, good character trait. 
More women Good should be sexy and mysterious, actually. Oh, my backstory? I don't have one. Thank you. <laughs> my backstory? No. Just no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have a backstory. Thanks for asking. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Emily says, I guess I compartmentalize better than most people. And then Derek's like, hey, Hodge, come here. Derek found a basement. Derek and Hodge go into the basement. Mm -hmm. It is a room full of a shit ton of fucking ice and Charles's dead body. It's a body storage. It's a body room. You know, rooms where bodies go. It's a body room. Little, little body room. Is this, is this a callback to Psycho? Doesn't he put his mom's body in the basement too? Maybe. I think this is I think this is a callback to Psycho. Corpse in the ice box. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, but apparently that really was a room full of giant blocks of ice. A little and cold for Don, for Mr. Don Swayze there, huh? Yeah, apparently he had to sit on giant blocks of ice for hours. A little Love cold there. Kamina Mines just went plastic? I don't know her. You will sit on giant blocks of ice. They really are like, we are not going to fake this shit. You are going to be sitting on ice, or you are going to be chained to a chair, or you are going to be waterboarded. Like, actually, waterboarded does not play. <laughs> like, it's and again, so bad. for what? For and fucking for what? what? <laughs> well, guys, actors are people and deserve to be treated like such. You know what I mean? Like, Most of them. There's a reason that they have, like, <laughs> unions where they have basic mm. working rules. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... Cannot be waterboarded. Cannot be waterboarded should be one of those rules if it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. I know that some actors are, like, pieces of shit. But again, yeah, they are people, people who deserve to have good working conditions just like everybody else on a fucking <laughs> film set. You're... Yep. Fun art can be made while keeping everybody safe and happy. And I feel like sometimes <laughs> people get so wrapped up in this fucking like the bullshit, like our tour theory yeah. or whatever. And it's like, fuck mm -hmm. you. Art, yeah. good art can yeah. be made in good conditions for everybody. Sorry, I'll get yep. off my soapbox, but like. No, you're right. Why? Why are you sitting on ice? Just put some plastic um, in the machine. God. Speaking of. Good conditions. Uh-huh. Hankel comes in with a dead lamb. Oh, so true. <laughs> it's, it's a real, no, it's a real dead lamb. Again, and, for what? <laughs> and James Vanderbeek said, I'm not fucking touching a dead lamb. As he should. Yeah, and he fought to be able to wear work gloves in that scene. Are you for because real? He had to Girl, <laughs> I am yeah, he literally to, had to be like, I'm, I am about I'm to not touching Edward Bonero for this shit. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Good God! Yeah, that's just <sighs> wild. So Hankel comes in and was like, "Oh, you must have met my father," and this is where we learn that it's Charles. And he's like, "Sorry, Charles hurt you," and then gives him Delauded. So let's okay. talk. Let's talk about the drugs. So, it, this is a bit of a spoiler. Um, don't get too attached to this drug storyline. <laughs> it's going to be 
gone in about three <laughs> weeks. Like, it'll be gone pretty quick. <laughs> Everyone's going to ignore it. And then Gideon is going to be like, Reed, get your shit together. And then no one will mention this for another five seasons. And then after that mention, it will never be mentioned again again. Okay. Don't get attached. I mean, the next few episodes, like, things happen because of it, but then it does leave. Okay. About the drugs. So the writer of this episode, whose name I didn't write down, says that the reason, you know, Hinkle did drugs, this is what we learned, was to escape his shitty situation and to avoid feeling his emotions, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But Reed takes it to Lottis. So they talk about how Reed intellectualizes so much and he doesn't feel his emotions and he doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about these memories and for the most part his childhood memories are kind of like walked away because you know childhood trauma but taking the lauded helps him remember that so when he at the end of this episode takes the lauded and starts doing drugs it's to access those emotions and those memories which I would say does not get shown well in the episodes to come. Yeah, for sure does not get shown well in the following episodes. But I do think that in the episode where Gideon goes and talks to him, we kind of see that a little bit because it's like Reed meeting a childhood friend and kind of thinking about like what else my life could have been, you know? Um, And these drugs kind of lead him to realize he's been groomed for this job. So... Okay, I don't like the drug storyline. The actors, well, MGG liked that it happened. He was like, hell yeah, put Reed on drugs. Um, but I don't <laughs> think yeah, he expected it. Hell yeah, put boy on some drugs. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he expected it to be as like. Over as quickly as or weird as yeah. it was. Yeah. But like AJ Cook at Comic-Con like made some comment that was like, oh yeah, my date with Reed, they dropped that really quick. Just like the drug storyline. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you you tell him. That's funny. Okay. Drugs. Reed has a memory. And it's of his dad leaving him and Spencer. Uh, her His mom is showing the beginning signs of dementia and schizophrenia. And the dad is like, I can't take it. I've tried to help you. You won't let me help you. Bye. And then the mom, Jane Lynch, is like, at least take Spencer. And the dad says, don't make me do that. Or something like, don't bring that up. And then just like leaves them both. How wildly cruel of him. I, On well, so I think many levels. So many levels. How wildly cruel well, of this father. Like, uh, here's yeah. the thing. Here's... Here's sort of how I'm viewing it. Number one, this dude is a lawyer, right? He is yeah. obviously a fairly, we see him later, he's a fairly successful lawyer. Yes. How in this case do you not like help your wife? How could you not 5150 her? How, how could you not do that? Like, how could you not? Like, it's a shitty thing to do, but you're a fucking lawyer. You deal with powers of attorney and how to get people into, like, places where they can get better. Like, I feel like that's just so... <sighs> so there's that, right? But yeah. then 
to not to leave your son in a situation yes. you know is bad and is yes. only going to get worse? Yes. How unbelievably cruel. Yes. Like, what the fuck? It's... I do not understand that. And also the fact that, like, he... He and Spencer never speak again until the episode where he shows up. Um, and even then, he doesn't show up. They happen to be where he is. Yeah. And I just, I cannot imagine leaving a child in that position. And I How think do part you of it leave is that. child there? I think part of it is that, you know, Spencer is, right, autistic coded. But, you know, Spencer looked to be like 10 or 11. So he's like almost off to college. Yeah, that's you a know, weird. Like the, yeah, that's a weird thing to say. But yeah, you're right. I know <laughs> he looks like a fucking child. Context, but yeah, right. He like you look at him and you're like, that's a fucking child, and he's almost going to college. You could have taken him, moved to his like Boston, and then just like housed him while he went to college, like. Yeah, he's a kid, and yeah, you'd have to be, like, emotionally available, but, like, doesn't he, like, go off and have other children? I th- yeah, maybe. That fucks me up. It's just... Yeah. There is a way yeah. that he... Like, the way... <laughs> Spencer is much kinder to this man than I would be, to be very frank with you. Yeah. Even, like, sure, Spencer doesn't, like, talk about his dad or anything like that. But Spencer, like, clearly when we meet back up again, Spencer is much kinder to this man than I would be. Very, very frank. Like, it's cool that you're healed and everything, Spencer, but, like, yeah, to heal your inner child, that man should die. Like, for real. Just, like, (laughs) off the bat. Not even kidding. Like, again, what an unbelievably cruel thing to do to both your ill wife and your son. How do you not yeah. manage to 5150? You're a yeah. lawyer. People are going to believe you more than they're going to believe her. Yeah. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <sighs> I'm chilling. And we see, <laughs> and we see she's like not getting out of bed, not eating, exercising, anything like that. He could have done something like it sounds like he just like told her to get a therapist a bunch and then she did it and he went well i tried and it's like no you Shit. did not not even no you did not try yeah how like <sighs> yeah and i also think this is interesting here's a little fun fact um jj's father basically did the same thing also after, true yeah after ross died he just literally left and started a new family. And JJ hasn't spoken to them since. They both have that kind of like in common trauma. Yay. So true. Trauma bestie. <laughs> trauma besties. Okay. So then the mom calls the dad like weak. And Spencer's like, I'm not weak. I'll take care of you. And the mom, Jane Lynch is just like, oh. Jane okay. Lynch's wig for this first part, by the way, is really oh. not good bestie not good it's not good also i think it's directly contradicting the later episode where she has very short hair right before spencer's dad leaves but whatever who cares oh i don't remember that but yeah we'll see 
Dana Twin. No, I'm famous now. I'm not wearing a wig. <laughs> no, for real though. She's yeah. like, hey, I got a Glee. I'm really famous. Yeah. I just always think of Glee as the thing that made her famous. I know she's in many other things and is an accomplished actress otherwise, but I will only think about yeah. her in tracksuits as Sil- Sue Sylvester. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Hinkle wakes him up and is like, you were crying out. You are weak. Fuck you. And then Hinkle's like, we're in the middle of nowhere. You can scream all you want and no one's going to hear you. And then Hinkle just like, just stone face screams. <laughs> straight face just starts yelling yeah and it zooms out and we see like a cabin and like graves and you're just like well fuck dude (laughs) he just the way that he just the way that he just opens his mouth no expression and yells Uh. is so funny Hey, everybody at home listening to this podcast, I don't care what you're doing right now. Do me a favor and try and get your best neutral face and then try and just yell. Oh, I'm tempted. Please don't. Okay. Everybody else, though, please do. <laughs> like, just take a minute. Like, yeah. Just take a minute and yell, you know? Sometimes gotta yell. Sometimes you just gotta yell, dude. Okay, next morning... We find out that Charles Hankel died six years, six months ago, six months ago. And Derek's like, that's the stressor. So apparently the reason it was Derek is because Gideon was in New York or Mandy Patinka was in New York and Thomas Gibson was in Texas. And Shamar Mar was like, why am I doing this scene? And they were like, you're the only male of the team in L.A. right now. Well, and yeah. he was like, "All right." Isn't isn't Mandy Patinkin the only one wearing like really warm clothes in the next in the like final scene? Yeah. Because he was going to do, do know like, why? a concert or something in yes. New York, yes. right? Yes, he literally was like, "I will not get sick. You cannot make me get sick." Which is why he's in like a beanie, <laughs> thick ass clothes, gloves, and then Derek is in like a t shirt. Yeah, which made me laugh. So this is a little um tangent, but. I really enjoyed kind of analyzing this episode and doing all of these, but it really made me be like, wow, you can get away with a lot of shit. Like, if I were not doing this deep, I've never noticed before that Gideon is like fucking head to toe snow gear Mm -hmm. and Derek is in a a t-shirt. I've never noticed that before. And I was like, if you're watching on TV, you wouldn't notice that. I didn't even notice it until the commentary people pointed it out. And I was like, you can get away with so much shit. Oh, yeah, Especially for back sure. then. Like when you're not thinking about streaming or like pausing or any of that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Well, also, movies and TV shows get away with a shit ton all the time. Because when you yeah. watch a movie or TV show, most people like you suspend your disbelief. Like, sure, Transformers aren't real, but they get away with a lot of shit because they're like, hey, what if Transformers were real? Anyway, here's tax law in Transformers America or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Nobody gives a shit if you're like having a good time. Yeah. You know, or like the pens going from blue to red in a scene. No one, unless you're like that person. Unless you're you. No one's going to be like, oh, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, be that way, yes. Okay. <laughs> Emily you. and <laughs> you love you. Emily and JJ are talking to the NA guy. 
Narcotics Anonymous, by the way. You've only said it as oh, yes. N-A, which is like, congrats, North America. <laughs> no, this oh. is a Narcotics <laughs> Anonymous guy. Yes. Who was, he was Tobias Ankle's sponsor. Um, real quick, Patrick Brewster chose those sunglasses for Emily. Apparently, she's really particular about all the like clothes and stuff Emily wears, which I love. So true, Queen. But, but every time I see Emily in those glasses, I'm like, oh, you got a hangover? <laughs> they are really good hangover glasses. They're just always, and Emily's always just got her mouth slightly open, just like, huh? <laughs> I love it. Okay. The sponsor says, you know, I was an alcoholic and he took Dilaudid that he cut with psychedelics. And Emily's like, hmm, drugstore heroin. Is that so, a thing Dilaudid is? Yeah. Yeah, it is, apparently. Can you buy hydromorphone? I think you can be prescribed it. I mean, you can be prescribed laudanum. I mean, true, yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, sure. And he cuts it with a psychedelic, and I assume the psychedelic part is not drugstore. Assume so, yes. Yeah. I'd assume. And Jade is like, oh, yeah, we think he murdered his father. And the guy goes, oh, really? Good for him. <laughs> he just like, that one me. meme. Like, good for her. Good for her. Good like, for oh, her. Him. <laughs> this is really funny. Gross. It had it's no right being as funny as it was that this dude was like, yeah. well, good for him. Like, he seemed yeah. genuinely yeah. supportive. <laughs> Yeah, we basically find out when Tobias was seven or eight, his mom ran off with another man. Charles became like super religious. He became section eight, which so in the military, a section eight discharge means you're mentally unfit for service. So now people just say section eight to mean like crazy, you know. Um, And he would beat the shit out of Hankel and he burned the fucking cross on Hankel's forehead. So the guy's like, honestly, between his father and the Dilaudid, I'm surprised Hankel's alive. Which, yeah. This dude is so candid. I think it's really funny. He is not dancing around the point at all. He's like, Uh, yeah, if if Tobias killed his father, good. Congrats. Good. Go ahead. (laughs) If he lived this long, also good. Congrats. You know what I mean? Like he's so yeah. he's so refreshing. <laughs> he's not one yeah. of those one of those like side characters that's like playing games or anything. He's just like, yeah, I'm happy that that dude's dad is dead. He was a piece of shit person. What do you want from yeah. me? <laughs> like, yes, so funny. Okay, Derek is reading a journal, and he goes, "There's something re- weird here." And the chef goes, you think? <laughs> I laughed at that. And then I remembered this is the same sheriff as last time. The same like, oh, revelations. That's a bad one. Like, this guy there's is something just weird funny. here, you think? Yeah, he's just funny. <laughs> I love we when stand. they give the sheriffs a little bit of like. Character. Character. Yeah. Like that one random like coroner who was just like so funny for one line and for what (laughs) for no reason yeah i love it i love it so we get a quote from this journal that there's reading and the quote is if ye shall offer a sacrifice to the lord it shall be of your own free will it's actually from the same um section that the leviticus quote 
Spencer said was from. It's like two or three lines later, which I think is why Spencer's quote from Leviticus like hit Raphael as hard as it did because it's one that Charles quotes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then the journal stops suddenly because the dad died. Maybe. It's kind of implied to be the dad's journal, but we yeah. find out that like it stops, like it was writing two months ago when Charles would be would have been dead for four months already. So like it is Hankel writing that. But then in Tobias's journal, he's writing father is sick, Tobias, uh, he wants me to kill him. When again, it's from two months ago and the father was already dead for four months at that time. Yikes. So like, so like who, what, etc. So what's the truth? Yeah. So what is the truth? What's the truth? What's the main? <laughs> Sorry. What's the make? Derek looks down and says, hey, these chair scuffs are fresh, as if someone were fighting for control. And now I'm just like, was Henkel and Charles, were they just like, was he just like standing behind the chair pretending to pull it back and forth between them? Like, maybe, or I sort of pictured it as both of them would like, sit in the chair in their own specific way and it would move in accordance with that. You know what I mean? Uh, or like he maybe. would sort of be shifting around the chair to have a conversation with, with Charles himself. and Tobias. Yeah, yeah, so he'd be sort of like shifting the chair. That makes sense. So then they're saying, you know, this journal is the father's handwriting, but he's dead. There's two rooms upstairs. One of them is messy. One of them is immaculate. And then Gideon's like, it's multiple personalities. Tobias couldn't kill his father, so he created his father as a second personality. And Raphael is the mediator. And this is, I don't know if you remember this, but way back in Extreme Aggressor, I told you to put a pin in something. We're pulling that <laughs> pin out right here. Wow! Our, one of our very earliest pin comebacks. It'll be the first, probably. I think it is. Season one, episode one. Season What's one, episode one. Garth tells Gideon, I read your book about how you don't believe in multiple personalities. And yet here, Gideon is the one who's like, yeah, this dude's got three personalities for sure, for sure. Sorry, Gideon, you wrote a whole ass paper published in a book about how you don't believe in multiple personalities, and yet you're the one here now to be like, yeah, it's multiple personalities. And it is! So, so what is the truth, Gideon? What's the truth? What, what, hey, Gideon. Hey, Gideon. What is the truth? Hey, Gideon. Hey, Gideon. Hey, buddy, Jason, Gideon, Jason. What the fuck? Jason? I just like, I would like you, I would like you to acknowledge that your position has changed. You're allowed to change your opinion, That's um, but totally I'd like you chill. to say that. I wonder, I wonder, was there like a big shift in like a DSM or something in the years between season one and two? Like, was there something big that happened in 2006, 2007-ish that like... Yeah, there must have been... Something. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. In 2006, 
a study was published called Disassociation and Disassociative Identity Disorder, Treatments, Guidelines, and Cautions. How much do you want to bet that something like that is what changed, what made them change Jason Gideon's line? Yeah, I just wish they... Had acknowledged it? Yeah. So it does look that, like, in the early 2000s, this was kind of up for debate what it is, if it was real. Yeah, it looks like 2006 was a big year for it. So... (laughs) Big year for studies about dissociative identity disorders, I guess. Um, Congrats, (laughs) question mark, I think. Um, Again, I'm fine with him changing his mind. I'd like that they get new research and they change it. I just would have liked some acknowledgement. The way they talk so much about textbook, even if Jason Gideon was like, you know, it's disassociative identity disorder. We used to believe it was impossible to have multiple personalities, but now we can see that in cases of trauma, there is a fracturing of the psyche to help cope. And God knows Tobias Hankel has had enough trauma, you know? Like literally a one line of him changing his opinion. (sighs) Anyway, how's that for an unpinning? That's a pretty good unpin. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a pretty good. That's a deep cut. Ah, That's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) The longer we do this, the more of those I will have. Okay. So after all this, they realize multiple personalities. They say, we need to profile Charles Hankel because he's the one who probably took weed. So... Derek goes to Garcia, who's still sitting in front of the computers, and is like, log in as the dad. And she's like, the system's three months old, he died six months ago. And Derek says, I know that's smarty pants, but do it for your boy anyway, all right? (laughs) They're so sweet! They're so sweet! I love them. Yeah. It's like, it's actually adorable. So they log in as him. It's a whole new system. There's a picture of an atomic bomb. (laughs) There's a house on fire. There's like a riot and they're like, this is the violent imagery. Can I just say the idea of like a violent sadist dude, any violence, he just needs to be looking at just any violence, just some sort just, of violence. Uh, that house is certainly on fire. This satisfies my vengeful needs. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I don't think that was, that was quite on, on lock here, bestie. Like, if that were the case, like, why doesn't every violent psychopath just get prescribed, like, <laughs> books about war? Like, why don't they just, like, get really into Civil War history and then, like, never have to hurt anybody because their needs are being met? Like, what? I don't know. That could be, like, ignorance. You know, I'll admit I don't know too much about this. But that just was like, oh, yes, he's watching them bomb Hiroshima. And that's giving him the same thrill as cutting people's throats open. Or like, like yeah, it also like violence, but okay. It wasn't like enough. No, like it didn't feel like religious at all to me. No, not at like, all. Like that's what also felt weird to me. Like, sure, yeah, they put up fucking stock photos or stock videos of what the fuck ever up on screens, cool. But like, where was your like religious protests or anything like that? Even if they had done like natural disasters 
that people attribute to religion like Katrina for whatever fucking or, reason pulling up I that know. old Jason Gideon bullshit yeah right or like Haiti or like something that was yeah like churches burning to get mad at heathens or like a pride parade or like abortions like it was just like really like a nuclear bomb a house on fire and some like protest that's okay. it like okay where's the righteousness in this i don't know and i would have been fine with those images if they had said anything about it but again they didn't so i don't know okay charles comes in and is like hank uh Tobias thinks God gave you to him, to Spencer. And Charles is like, yeah, Hinkle, or Tobias thinks that God gave you to him for a reason. And then he sets up his video camera and you're like, oh no. Bad time when when this guy pulls out a video camera. Because every time he pulls out a video camera, someone fucking dies. So you're just like, oh gosh, oh no. Okay, so then Emily and JJ return. And JJ, like, has her hands in her pocket and is, like, walking all, like, grumpy. And I was like, how'd that drive go? <laughs> like, the drive there and back? Like, you know, Emily was like, so, you pointed a gun at me last night. Yeah. What's that about, Jesse? <laughs> you know? Hey, <laughs> I'm not mad. Talk? Yeah. We're both but, doing uh, the thing where neither of us are looking at each other and we can both comfortably focus on something else. So maybe mm -hmm. it's like a good time to have this conversation. Yeah, I'm driving, so I'm not paying any attention to you, but... Uh, what's up? What's up? How, what's that? What's that? You okay? <laughs> you okay? So they get back to the house and Emily is like, yeah, the guy had no idea where Hankel could be, but he's doing the lauded and stuff and Hotch goes oh the drugs can explain the psychotic fracture and they talk to them about the three personalities and then the sheriff shows up and goes hey a computer store was robbed overnight four laptops hard drives and a satellite was stolen and a satellite and the whole thing you throw up into space no, not even like you, a satellite router no i know what they fucking mean you i think it's dumb child stupid that they fucking say a satellite instead of like a satellite connector or like a satellite phone but like they're like no no, no. it's they're talking about a satellite dish the kind you put on the top of your house that's what they're talking about so you just say yeah i got a satellite and it's a big thing you put on the top of your house for signal boosting well no why then didn't they try to track that i was thinking that yeah. I don't know that you can track satellite dishes, but I was I like... I mean, they have, like, the, serial numbers it, and stuff, right? But isn't the whole thing about, like, satellite phones is that they can't be tracked like that? No, so I I'd think the whole point dishes. of them is that they can always make a connection, so there is probably a way to track them. Yeah, I don't know. They don't mention it. That'd be too easy. Okay. So, also, he's using a fucking satellite dish to get internet, but also managing to change his IP address every 30 seconds. I just like Well that don't would be him right. changing him running a fucking script or whatever to like change his outgoing IP address. That like makes sense to me. That's something you can like set it and forget it, right? 
Wait, but it takes a certain amount of internet connection. Right, right. And so he's that's got four webcams. Exactly. That is exactly yeah. what I was getting at. You're downloading four videos and also uploading Bouncing, one yeah. and changing your IP addresses. like best, With a satellite dish. With a satellite. Already in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like in what world? Okay. In what world? Yeah. So some of Garcia's screens go black and they're all like, what's going on? And then Reed appears and Derek is like, hey guys. Guys, bad thing yeah. going on. JJ comes running in. JJ looks shaken to her core. Yeah. JJ looks shaken to her core and is like, can't you do something about this? Like, there he is. Where is he? You know? And Garcia says, no, they're like, um, he's only streaming to their house. So she can't like connect to him. And Gideon's like, this is for us. And then the camera keeps going back to JJ looking devastated, like really focusing on like her guilt, you know, like it's good to know he's not dead, but now she's watching him and seeing what quote unquote she let happen. Yeah. And like those moments where they like focus on JJ looking really guilty. I'm like, so the show knows. So you know what you did. The show knows how JJ's feeling and wants us to see how JJ's feeling, but then, like, refuses to do anything about it. Okay. Okay. Fine. Sure, fine. Whatever. Okay. Tell me you don't care about women's feelings without telling me you don't care about women's feelings. (laughs) All right. Charles is like, hey, Spence, look at these four laptops. Choose one of these to die and one to live. And Spencer's like, you're psychotic, so, like, your word isn't true? And then he like hauls Spencer to his feet and is like, are you calling me a liar, boy? <laughs> I certainly ain't calling you a truther. Literally Sorry. was thinking that. No, I was thinking the same thing. Oh, thank but God. he's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what if Spencer was just like, I ain't calling you a truther. No. That's funny though. So then he's like, your people are watching. And Spencer says... I won't choose who you slaughter and have you leave their remains behind like a poacher. Great. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in, put a really short term pin in that one. Just like a real quick, we'll come back to it in 20 minutes. Yeah, just real uh, quick. <laughs> yeah. So Sh- Charles is like, choose or I kill all four of them. And Spencer's like, I'll choose the one to live and picks the prop guy's wife. Congrats and- to this prop guy's wife. Yeah, congratulations. So then <laughs> she Gideon lived. calls. She lived. She lived. You're fine. Gideon calls the number of the address that Charles says and is like, close your laptop. And she does. And then Raphael's like, cool. I'm turning off the camera. And then he goes and he kills someone. And we just see Reed like watching the screens and like waiting to see who like dies. We go through the screen to a man and a woman. They, okay. So Hinkle took a knife, but they had they just had like a drawer with like six knives laid out in it. Is and it's not even like a kitchen thing? drawer. It's like it's their bar drawer, but why like are there like cleavers? Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, your your knife drawer for your six <laughs> You know, knives like obviously, what? clearly. I guess if you're like cutting limes or 
Some, it just that's too many. No, knives. that's okay. too many knives. That, don't let's no. not say you need a fucking cleaver to cut some limes. You need a no. little paring knife at best right. for any sort of like bar work. You're right. I will say, unlike the door being open, if I walked up to the bar and the the drawer was open, I wouldn't even ask my wife. Yeah, I'd be like, oh. I walk up and I'd be like, oh, and just shut it. <laughs> but he's like, honey, did you leave the drawer open? Did you leave the knife drawer open, sweetie? Are you planning on <laughs> killing me, honey? He's like, you've been sitting with me for a while. And the knife drawer get open. Um, and then Raphael shows up and is like, if you scream, I'll kill you. Calls 911, kills them anyway. Great. The team is at the house. The sheriff comes in and is like, everyone's out looking, but no one has spot him. Isaiah 59, the next quote comes from uh-huh i think it must i didn't write down who fucking said it i think it must be like Raphael. anyway they say no one calls for justice no one pleads a case with integrity they rely on empty arguments they utter lies they conceive truth and give birth to evil that is read off of a page that they leave at the crime scene that hotch Thank then you. reads off Yes. Oh, they're at the house where the crime took place. Yes, because the guy was a ah. defense attorney or whatever. Yeah. Right. So they read that. And basically, it's from a passage talking about how it's worse when people who claim to be religious sin because they know that they are turning away from the grace and protection of God. But in the same passage, God promises deliverance. So, cool. And then Gideon looks into the camera and is like, hey, Reed, you're strong. We're this isn't your fault, you. bestie. We love you. <laughs> yeah, you got this. You can do it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Now it's time to talk about the Derek in the room. The Derek in the room. Yikes. Yeah. Derek's in the kitchen making coffee. JJ walks in. New outfit. Finally new outfit. She, finally new outfit. She's like, hey, wow, I keep thinking about how, like, you know, the thing we need to crack this case is read. Ha ha ha. Yikes. And Derek is like, go get some rest. <laughs> and JJ's like, well, you know, everyone else is working. I'll work. And Derek's like, we can handle it. And then that like, goes to walk away. And JJ's like, hey, you think that Reed and I should have stuck together, don't you? And Derek's like, what? And she's like, I just want someone to tell me the truth. And Derek says, the truth is one of you is here and one of you isn't. You have to figure out the rest for yourself. And then he leaves. What the fuck? Okay, here's first, where I'm... Okay, the first, know, like, few Derek lines here of, like, he's like, oh, go get some sleep. Like, go go get yeah. some sleep. That's, like, a fine thing to say to your friend who just went through some trauma. Sure. Go sleep, bestie. You'll feel a little bit better afterwards. Everything yeah. else after line, like, two in this scene? Yeah. Get the fuck out. Not good. So, basically, here's what they said in the commentary. MTG was, like... Isn't this kind of harsh? It's not her fault at all. And then even Shamar was like, I think Derek's being too mean to her. But the- <laughs> I love that they're all like, this was kind of fucked up, guys. Yeah, but the writer says that the intention with the scene is just Derek being like, you have to figure out how you feel on your own. Like, you need to work through it because, like, I'm going through my own shit. Which is 
not how the scene played. Huh. If the writers were trying to make that happen, then they did a very bad job. And I think, like, I can see a little bit of it. Like, we see Derek, like, slamming his fist on things and, like, being upset and that kind of stuff. But I think in that moment, he should have, even if Derek had just said, like, one of you is here and one of you isn't, you need to handle that for yourself. I'm handling my stuff. Like, one more line that lets us know, like, he's being cold because of his own feelings. Like, it's just something that's, like, you got to figure out the rest for yourself. I'm trying to figure my shit out. Or and something, then you're like, okay, you know. Even something like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad you did not also get kidnapped. Yes. Like, yeah, one yeah of you sure, here and Spencer's one of you gone, isn't. but I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you're here right now. I'm glad that yeah, you're okay. Sure. Would have been great way to end that scene. Something like, yeah. one of you is here, one of you isn't. I'm glad that you're okay. Goodbye. Would have been like, done. Four words, fix your scene. (laughs) Even like one of you is here and one of you isn't. So if you want to work, then let's go to work. You know, like JJ's saying like, I'm not going to rest while everyone else is doing this. And if Derek had just been like, okay, then, then let's work. If that'll make you feel better, you know, like just something that was not so fucking cold. Um, and maybe this was also well, an issue with like direction, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. my guy, Guy Norman B, mm-hmm. did Shamar more a little dirty here with his direction. That, I'm also yeah. not, I'm not ignoring that part of it. I think writers did not a great job on this scene, but I can see how, if you left it up to interpretation, I can see how that, scene could maybe turn out okay i think it would have had to be derek being a lot more sympathetic directed a lot differently yeah more sympathetic yeah so maybe it was just my guy guy norman b but it just like kills me that this is the only like acknowledgement we get that jj's upset with herself and feeling guilty yeah and she gets shut down like kosh doesn't say anything to her gideon doesn't say anything to her you know, Emily checks on her. We see Emily, like, watching her, but they don't have a scene where they talk about it. Garcia doesn't stand up with her, you know? It's just yeah. like, why is this the one scene we get that acknowledges JJ's fucking pain? And it's this. Ugh. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. I don't like it. Um, Hotch and Gideon are talking, saying we're not getting any closer. And Hotch says, you know, I take advantage of his brain, but I don't give him any emotional help. Uh, then weird way to word that, yeah. He's like, I don't help him deal with his emotions, and I just want to be like, You're not his fucking dad, like, (laughs) you don't have to. That's literally not your job, you're his boss. Like, okay, I don't know. Reed's just a baby boy, he's just a little baby boy. We gotta help him. The worst part is, like, I'm not even mad at Reed in this episode. I'm just mad at the way everyone else is, like... I know. I'm mad at the way everybody else is talking about Reed. Yes. Like, he does get through it. He does hold out. He's smart. And he he gets himself out of there. He gives them the hints. They figure it out because he's giving them these hints. And But everyone else is, like, poor little boy isn't going to be able to handle this little trauma. But then they fully... They fully ignore JJ going through the same shit. 
Eldest daughter, she's fine. <laughs> Literally, I want to murder all of them. Except Emily. I don't even know why JJ didn't, why, why Penelope didn't even at least give JJ a hug. Yeah, it seems weird that we missed out on the Janelope hug here. You know what I mean? Seems weird. Like, they're they're best friends. They're they best barely fucking talk. friends. Yes, they barely talk. And when they do, it's like the weirdest scene on the planet. Yeah. I, they, ugh. JJ got did so dirty. Okay. Tobias gives Reed more drugs. Reed's asking for the location. And Tobias is like, don't worry, we can't be saved anyway. Bye. Flashback. Mom, Jane Lynch doing worse, not getting out of bed. Reed's like, I'm going to go play with my friend. And then Jane Lynch is like, no, come here. I'm going to read Proust to you instead. Proust. Cool. So, JJ goes to Garcia. And she's like, hey, what's up? And Garcia's like, he just posted the new murder. And JJ's like, I want to see it. And Garcia's like, no, you don't. And JJ, I think rightfully says, don't tell me what I want and don't want. Like, Weird. it's not, I think she's, a, I think she's a little like snippy. She doesn't need to be so snippy at Garcia, but I get why she's like, okay, let's talk about JJ again. <laughs> again, let's wrap back around JJ time. Yeah. So JJ never sees the murders in the same way the rest of the team does. She rarely sees the bodies. You know, she's, I think that she really disliked being out of her depth and out of her element when she went into the field. And I think that she disliked feeling less, feeling less than the rest of the team. So for her, it's like, okay, you know, I've, I'm slowly, I'm being given more responsibility. And then when I was actually like for once out in the field, I dropped the ball and I panicked and I freaked out. I need to strengthen myself, you know, and Garcia makes the, comment of like it's not a competition but i don't think jj sees it as as a competition i don't Mm -hmm. think jj's like i need to be stronger and harder than everybody else i think she just she feels less prepared less capable and she knows that like at some point she's going to have to see the violence you know and this is her she's choosing this moment to do it i think it's interesting that she doesn't watch the dogs video she never huh, sees that true one. yeah but she watches the double murder and Garcia's like you know you need to still be affected by things but I don't think JJ is trying to become jaded I think she just feels vulnerable and she wants to at least be on the same playing field as everybody else yeah you know so then Garcia is like I'll play a few but I won't watch and she's like leaves and I was like where is their hug like no one gives JJ a hug until Reed at the end. Yeah, like, somebody like, give this bitch a hug. She is so sad all the time. Oh, God. It's just, like, and that's her best friend. That's her bestie. And she, they're just so weird. I don't, it was a weird, I don't know. Okay. So then JJ sits down to watch it. Derek and Emily are going over the history of Tobias's, Tobias and his family. And says, you know, we start off, Tobias is happy and getting good grades. And then at eight, it stops. And Emily's like, that's when his mom left. 
Six months later, child services visits for the first time. And then Charles starts keeping his sin journal. And you know, completely normal sentences to say. Sin journal. <laughs> it's like general of sin, you know. You know, you know, just where you keep track of them. That's why I keep track of all the sins. I sign them a point uh, value, and any week I get over a hundred is a good sin week. Woo! Take a notes. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> uh, so then they figure out that like they thought Charles was the one who like you know took Spencer, but then they figure out it was Tobias. So Tobias picked a place to hide because he's the one who runs. Charles sends in fights, but Tobias runs. Uh, so JJ walks into the room and just is like, hey, the new murder was posted. <laughs> she says it's so like blase. Like she's like, hey, new murder, by the way. She like watched it. She watched it and she's clearly a little like upset, but also she's just like, I feel like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet she was really like, when Emily says, I guess I just compartmentalize better than most people. She's really trying to compartmentalize there. (laughs) Yeah, but like JJ has this look on her face like, oh, I see. I didn't, I didn't compartmentalize. I was really shaken. So she wants to like get to a place where she can see those things and not have it like, ruin her you know i think jj this is where jj starts to like look up to emily a little bit as like an older woman in the field you know milf okay. in the field you know milf m-i-l-f-i-t-f <laughs> oh that makes it sound like mother i'd like to fuck in the field <laughs> milf milfative Sounds like a Milfative sounds like a Final Fantasy villain for sure. For sure a Final Fantasy villain. Milfative, no. No, we can't let we can't let Milfative get to the crystal of power. Then all will be lost. (laughs) Exactly. Sorceress Milfative. She's here. Get her. Final Fantasy 16, Milfative's Revenge. <laughs> God. Milfative. Okay. Sorry. I don't know what I was apologizing Mil- there for, actually. That was yeah. funny. That was a good bit. Why didn't I apologize? That was funny. No apologizing. I'm not sorry. Fuck you. It was a good bit, <laughs> and I'll stand by it. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Gideon is like, take the fucking video down. I don't want Tobias thinking he has a pulpit. And Garcia's like, I'll just tell everyone it has a virus. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'll make a fake antivirus pop up that will for sure stop people. Yeah. And then, but then Tobias like sees it flashing on the website, which again is like, if you've already clicked the link to the website, and it's a virus, your computer's fucked. You're in there, you know? Yeah, you're like already there. Also, pop-ups like that, I cannot tell you how many times I ignore those in search of streaming. (laughs) (laughs) I ignore all sorts of shit in search of perfectly legitimate streaming sites. Yep, 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 yep. For sure. Charles sees the pop-up and gets super mad and reads like, I can't control them. I'm not like talking to them. But then Charles plays 
Gideon's message and is like, you're a liar. You're, oh, and then he grabs Reed's arm and you see the like track marks from the drugs. And he's like, you're as pitiful as my son is. Um, And then he turns the camera on. Okay, I really like this moment. Garcia is literally trembling. And Gideon has his hands on her shoulder and she's like holding his hands, covering them. And he's like leaning over her with his chin on top of her head, like holding her while she like trembles watching Reed get like beat up. Yeah. 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 And then Reed gets pushed over, has a heart attack and dies. It's a heart attack. Did you know that? I did not. I thought it was like... him choking on his own vomit yeah so apparently mgg used to fake seizures back in high school for fun <laughs> what an absolutely buck wild statement for you to just drop on me <laughs> what a buck wild yeah. thing to say continue my bad but that's the truth of it all so they like filmed a bunch of different ones they said there was like a floppy one and like a shaky one i don't know what the words mean but Apparently, the director kept being like, you're having a heart attack, not an epileptic seizure. <laughs> um, but it does, it does look like a seizure, but... It for sure attack. looks like an epileptic seizure of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he does die. So He does fully die. Yeah. And then Charles and Tobias are outside fighting about Reed being a sinner. And I was like, I love this. I loved that scene. The way they were cutting it with the noise and the fighting with himself. Oh. It was really good. It's a really it well done scene. Yeah, and then they paralleled it with Gideon walking back and forth in the bathroom, being like, "You did the right thing. You had to stop the feed. You did the right thing." Yeah, I really like that. Which I was like, "Oh, yeah." I think again, shout out to James Vanderbeek. Fucking incredible yeah. job. Incredible so good. job. So fucking good. Yeah. So then Tobias is like, "I can save him." And Charles says, how? By breathing a killer's breath back into his body? Because Tobias Henkel's a killer because he kills his dad, right? Uh, so then he goes back and gives Reed CPR. And they're like, oh, that's Tobias. We were right about the fractured personality. It's cool. And then Reed comes back to life and like, sees a gravestone. Do does CPR help heart attacks? Mm-hmm. Well, CPR I mean, I tries to get your heart to restart. Gets your heart pumping, yeah, sure. And to keep oxygen in your body. It just—it seemed to me. Well, if your if your heart stops from a heart attack, yeah, you want to you want to restart it. it. Yeah, I understand that. It's just like I don't know. It might. I think it's just because that looked so much like a seizure that I was like, CPR is not going to help. Put that boy in recovery position. Like, it just, I don't know. It just, it didn't track to me initially, but like, I guess now that knowing it's a heart, it's supposed to be a heart attack, that works, I guess. I'm going to check this. So it does help heart attacks. For first aid, no, you're not supposed to. I think it's like, if the person like, it's not helping the seizure. It's helping the fact that he's dead you know yeah and like i get it it's just like initially it did not track for me because it looked again so much like an actual seizure i think if it had been mid-seizure it wouldn't have helped but like he was dead so like he wasn't seizing anymore 
he was just like dead. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So then Emily is like, hey, wait. When did the last video get posted? 9.23 p.m. Great. When was the 911 call? 9.04. Okay. That's only 17 minutes. If you drive this fast, trains departing, etc. <laughs> they figured out he must be within a 17-mile radius of the house that the crime happened at. Yeah, because so, 17 it, minutes is not a lot of time. No. To do a whole murder, to get back, upload your video, and do a whole murder? He's booked and busy, for yeah. sure. Booked and busy. So, Gideon's like, call the sheriff, and JJ gets up to call the sheriff. But then they're like, whoa, wait. So, this is another moment to talk about. Um, first, I'm going to talk about JJ, and then we're going to talk about Hodge. Okay. So, Raphael begins talking, and he's like, you came back to life, there's no accidents. How many people on your team? Gideon says, or Reed says seven. And he's like, seven angels who rang the seven trumpets. And Hotch is like, oh, Hankles thinks that this is revelations. So, Hankles spins the gun and is like, choose a team member to die or I shoot you in the face. And Spencer's like, okay, me. Easy peasy. And Raphael's like, no. Doesn't count. Nice try. He's like, do it. Reed says, no. Empty shot. No, empty shot. No, empty shot. And then Reed says, hush. So, the JJ of this moment. JJ fully is waiting to be chosen to die. Yeah. You see her? She's like, got her hands like over her mouth. And when they say that, like, she's one to die, her like eyes close and she's like, ready. And then when they say Hodge, JJ looks genuinely surprised and like looks up and is like, what? I'm still alive. And Emily is looking at her. Emily is the only one looking at JJ. Everyone else is watching Hodge leave. But Emily is looking at JJ and sees that look of surprise. Oh. Gay women. God bless Shemily. God bless Paget Brewster for her brilliant choices this app. Honestly, God bless Patrick Brewster as Emily Prentice. God yeah. bless Emily Prentice. For sure. Yeah. Can I also say? Oh. Yes. Before we get into the whole, like, why Reed chose Hotch, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. If you had to pick a member of the BAU to get chased down by a serial killer, Hotch is my first choice, honestly. Yeah. For, like, survivability... I mean, for like we see what he does <laughs> Later. Yeah, like Hodge yeah. is my choice if i have to it, again gun to my head if i have to choose a member of the bau to get chased down by a serial killer and i want to choose the member with the highest like survival points it's hotch bar none also like hotch and then it's derrick and a close second but like yes i'm choosing and then emily Prentice because she can't die mm-hmm <laughs> But here's the thing. This is another one of those ones where I'm like, hey, Reed, this is an arbitrary choice. In what world does Hankel go back to his house, get in with the whole team there, all those cops, and then manage to kill one of your team members? Yeah, for sure. Like, honestly, if you were just like, you could have just been like, Penelope, 
And then Hankel would have shown up at the house and gotten arrested. Like, <laughs> why do you, why, this doesn't have to be this, this ordeal. I don't know. Like, it's I get so it. Like, it's meaningful whose name he says. But, like, in practicality, yeah. how would he For sure. have, you know, yeah. But again, <laughs> if I'm choosing a serial killer to go after Hotch or go after somebody on the team, I'm choosing Hotch because Hotch will take the fight to that bitch. You know, <laughs> like, no matter what, yeah. Hotch will not yeah. be the one to die that day. <laughs> like- yeah. Yep. Okay. So then he says Hotch. And he's like, Aaron Hotchner, he's a classic narcissist, blah, 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 blah. And then Hankel lifts the gun, fires, and that was the bullet chamber. So good thing he said that. Yay. God's real, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. So he says, Rita's like, Genesis 23.4, led him not deceive himself and trust in emptiness, vanity, falseness, and futility, for these shall be his recompense. Which is the wrong quote. But it's also but it's just purposefully the wrong quote. Well, but but it's also like the wrong quote. Like when you go to this quote in the Bible, it's in the book of Job. This is not the quote in any edition of the Bible. So it's also just like wrong. Wrong. Um, but the quote that is it is supposed to be is about um like a hardened sinner turning against God, and that if you only believe in emptiness. You're only gonna get emptiness, etc. What is the if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything? Wait, right? I thought the actual quote that it. Are you talking about the quote that Reed was trying to get them to look up? Or no, are you t- okay, no. So the quote he says is a quote from the Book of Job. Okay, you but you lost me there for a second, it, but I get you. Oh okay. yeah, it's double wrong. Okay, and then what's he, the it quote is a, that he's trying yeah. to get them to look up? He's trying to get the quote, which is also wrong. I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. That's the correct joke, quote. That, that is what Genesis 23.4 actually is. Is that quote. All right. Um, but again, also wrong, but whatever. Okay. Hotch leaves the room. Then Hotch is, everyone goes to Hotch and he's like, what's my worst quality? And Gideon's like, no, oh, Hotch. And Hotch is like, shut up. What's my worst quality? I'll start. I've got no sense of humor. JJ goes, you're a bully. Derek's like, sometimes you can be a drill sergeant. And Emily really fast goes, you don't trust men as much as you, you don't trust women as much as you trust men. And then she looks at him like, hmm? Hmm? Finally. <laughs> I got to say it. You don't trust women, Hotch. <laughs> nice. And he's like, cool, yeah, great, whatever. But none of you called me a narcissist. And then he says that he and Reed had been arguing about the definition of a classic narcissist. So he would, like, Reed knew that Hotch would remember that. So to go look at the quote he said. Okay. So they're like, oh, he's in a cemetery. And then they show the poaching quote. So they're like, oh, it must be some sort of wooded area where you would go hunting, where you would poach. So they find a patch of green within that seven mile radius. And they're like, there's Marshall Parish. And Emily is like, wait, wait, wait. 
in one of his journals, he says, I need to stay clean and stay away from Marshall. So they're like, cool, it's that. That's so Marshall Parish is where Tobias used to go to do drugs. That's why he took Reed there. And he's like, I've never shown anyone this place. Like, wow. He's like giving water to Reed. And he's like, I'm sorry this is happening, but like Charles is always going to win. Just so you know. Like, yeah, I'm nice to you, but like you will die. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm happy you're having a good time here, but this is not going to turn out well for you, buddy. Yeah. And Reed's like, wait, but like, I'll be in a cemetery. And Tobias is like, yeah. And Reed's just like, nice. They're going to find me. More drugs. Flashback. And this is Reed being 18. Caught like, he, of course, like Reed 5150s his mom. Yeah. Which, if you don't know, 5150s the Baker Act. Basically, like you call the police when you think somebody is a danger to themselves because of mental illness. Yes. Or a danger to themselves or others. So that's 5150. That might be like the cop code or like the act number or something, but that's what it is. Um, I've been 5150, but I talked my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but a- like, also, <laughs> obviously, proving it's not that fucking hard to do. No. Reed's dad was just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Ooh. College for me. College, college was crazy. Smart, I guess. Yeah. No, no, I, I got fifty-one fifty in college. College, it's crazy. <laughs> I was so fucked up back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The mom's crying. I wrote down like, how is any of this a sin? Like, literally, how is finally being old enough to care for your sick mother a sin? And then he's like apologizing. And he, like, wakes up from the drugs, still apologizing. And he's like, I sent my mom away because I couldn't help. And Charles is like, is that a confession? And he's like, yeah, it is. So then Charles quotes Exodus twenty-one seventeen: He who curses his mother or his father will surely be put to the death. So I read, so, like, some people were like, yeah, it means stoning. But then other people were saying, like, it doesn't mean, like, literally, like, to kill them. It just means that, you know how you can ask for sanctuary in a church? And they'll protect you. Yeah. If you like curse your mother or your father and break that commandment, then the church will no longer offer you that sanctuary. That's like what it means. Okay. Charles finally unties Reed and then is like, get a shovel. Reed is digging his own grave. MGG said that he was like too weak from the cold and for being tied up for so long to actually like dig at all. And when he like tried to fire the gun, he like couldn't pull the trigger because his body was so bad. Terrible. Okay. The team shows up with lights and they said, so the team only like a pageant, Shamar, Thomas and Mandy only had to go into the house this one scene and basically the commentary was like oh yeah they walked in and they were like what the fuck is that smell as like the scene the scene where they're all like oh god it's like literally that was it god yeah i mean yeah again actors should not have to go through that i cannot tell you that enough disgusting uh, the house is empty. They go to find him. 
Oh, so like you see the lights in the cemetery? Apparently it was just like one tiny patch of land that they just kept filming them walking in different directions through. <laughs> yeah. To make it look big. It was just like one tiny little square. So funny. Reed sees the lights and he's like, oh, I'm not strong enough. Help me. Uh, and then Charles is like, I should have known you were weak. Blah, blah. All of you pedons are weak. And then Reed grabs the gun and shoots. We hear someone being like, Reed. And Reed goes to Tobias. And then, oh, Tobias says, do you think I'll get to see my mom again? <gasps> I know. I know. Talk about fucking trauma. God. I feel so bad for him. God. <sighs> it's a rough, it's a rough situation. Um, so the team finds Reed and Reed's like, I knew you would understand. And then Reed and JJ hug. And JJ's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And Reed's like, you have nothing to be sorry for. It's not your fault at all. And then JJ's like walking away and she like looks at Derek and Derek's all teary-eyed and like nods at her and she just like stares at him as she walks by. <laughs> She's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. So true. Yes. So true. Um, and then Reed is like, give me a second. And you like think he's like going to say goodbye to Tobias. But then he takes the drugs. Who takes bum, bum, bum. the drugs? Drugs, 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 drugs. <sighs> Everybody. Drugs. Kind of a weird yeah. choice. Yeah, especially because they don't do anything with it. Not just like that it goes away really quickly, but like no one, this is, I guess, spoilers for the next two episodes but nobody on the team acknowledges that he's on drugs even though they all know it mm-hmm. nobody stands up for emily when reed starts being fucking mean as shit to her yeah nobody gets him help he doesn't like fuck up in a way that makes them acknowledge it like it just like doesn't come up again like and we know we'll know from season three episode two that Hotch was very aware Reed was on drugs. They just like don't, it just is like not a thing. Like Reed's just kind of like an asshole for two episodes. And then that's it. Like. And then that's it. Like, okay. I also think (laughs) it is a weird choice for for to have Reed take the drugs off of Tobias's body. Also that. Yeah, to take them out of his pocket. Yeah. Like, that's a weird choice, right? There are other ways to show that a drug addiction is getting worse or that a drug addiction, you know, that this is the start of some sort of, like, downward spiral for a few episodes. Other, Rather than just, like, taking the drugs off of your dead captor's body. You know what I mean? I... I think if I were going to like do this and make um, him have a drug addiction, I would have had him not take the drugs and then next episode be like, shit, I want that. You know, like have him like, yeah. make a choice to yeah. go out and no, get that's them. It. It's, it's like it feels too heavy handed. 
to have him yeah. take drugs literally off of a dead body. I feel like there are steps you should go through before that. You know what I mean? Yes. And like heroin is one of those drugs you take it once and you're kind of addicted, but it's not like I took it once. Now my body fucking craves it all the time. It's more like the high you get from it makes you feel a certain type of way. And then you kind of want to feel that again. And then slowly it takes more and more of the drug to make you feel like that because you get used to it and then you end up overdosing. You know, it's not like I was being tortured. Someone gave me drugs three times and now I'm like, I need that good, good feeling because it was never a good feeling. Yeah. He never has, he never even has fun. I don't (laughs) mean fun. Like I just think he's never happy to be on the drug. He never smiles. He's always having a bad time. And like, like he literally only looks like he's having bad body, bad body reactions to this drug. And then he quits cold Turkey. So it's not even like he was body, like super body addicted to it. Cause he just stops taking them no side effects it's just so it's like what is the truth (laughs) yeah no it's just such a weird like heavy-handed way to show that this is going to be an ongoing problem you know what i mean like it's just yeah it's a weird choice from like a writing perspective even like my screenwriting professors in school would be like this is too obvious like, I know show not tell is a thing, but also you can step a little too fucking far in the show direction here, which is what this is. But I also think, like, it's not showing us anything. anything. His mom is still alive. He could just go visit her. He could just go. He could just call her on the phone. And then we, and then in the next two episodes, we don't even see any hallucinations. He's just mean mean (laughs) (laughs) like i know they wanted to speed run a fucking drug storyline but this is not the way to do it they got a lead flight here on this motherfucker for sure i don't know i don't get it like i wish they had gone the route of like he like we do see him like miss a flight but i wish it had been like he stopped showing up from work they find him in his apartment like drugged out of his mind and then they're like spencer you know your two options aren't use your brain constantly and burn out or take drugs and don't think at all you know like why don't we just get you some like antidepressants also like addicts are functional people people with addiction still function in regular human society you know what i mean like it's not like all of a sudden you become just like a mean asshole it's like you're still a right. functioning person if you are struggling with a substance addiction. Yes. Like and I and also like heroin is one of those drugs that like blisses you wow. Yeah. So I don't know if it's supposed to be like it's making his, you know, non-canon autism worse or what. <laughs> this like... drug is interacting with a non-canon part of his personality and making him into an asshole <laughs> is the funniest explanation for criminal minds I think I've ever heard like like, the writers are like yeah "Yeah, this would you know 
the writers in the fucking writers room are like oh yeah like a drug addiction how would that affect him maybe it adversely affects people with autism and then some fucking writer's assistant is like hey did we ever canonize the fact that he has autism they're like no shut the fuck up he's an asshole now and that's it it's so weird you know i don't think this would react well with his autism he has autism what no shut up like oh Okay. okay. Yeah, like, uh, it's so weird. It's also, also just like, like if you're scared, like one of the reasons I haven't tried heart drugs <laughs> is I have I have very bad mental illnesses and I wouldn't want to take something that would take away my control yeah. and lead to those things being worse or me acting on urges or whatever so spencer who said like several times now how scared of his fucking brain he is because he's worried about becoming schizophrenic worrying about dementia why would he take this really intense mind-altering substance by choice and even if he does then like let's do it let's talk about it why like, yeah wh- and like Ugh. i don't know it just feels like Sure, yes, this, Spencer, you just had what can be considered a pretty bad time. I get it. Really bad time, Bussy. Why is your next step not, like, weed? (laughs) (laughs) Alcohol, even? Like, I know this was 2007, and we have had a great shift in the way we as a society think about weed, but, like, why is your choice just to, like, immediately go back to the the bad thing right that's the thing is he's only had these incredibly traumatic negative experiences with heroin like i could see him i could see him becoming an alcoholic or yeah weed and becoming you know they would do like a super stereotypical like pothead bullshit but but like like why would you go back to that source of trauma and that's like i said he never has a good time he's always miserable like i don't know (laughs) it's just it's it's weird to me I don't know. It's just this whole fucking thing is weird. I don't like his drug. His drug plotline is sort of like a meme because it does just like sort of it's here and it's gone and we're done. Um, Literally two more episodes, guys. I wish they had done this a more slow burn, but I think they were already writing it. They were like, we need to speed run him through this. And so they were like, yeah, take the drugs out of the dead man's pocket. That's fucked up. Yeah, they definitely did it as, like, a surprise twist, which, like, okay. I'm just, like, again, again, if they had done anything with his habit, with his addiction, I would feel differently about it. Yeah, so true. Like, if he had done this and it had resulted in some conflict, sure. But literally, he's a douchebag for an episode, and then he, like, ditches the team for an episode, and then he's fine. So, if they like, like why next, do they ever have a line of like next episode where they're like, "Hey, did you guys like the police over in Georgia are asking us if we ever found the Dilaudid no. that Tobias Hancock literally had? no like that would have even been a good way to like have Spencer well, nobody knew jumpy you know like nobody knew he got drugged. No, but they if did he because didn't of tell the them, Narcotics Anonymous guy, right? And he showed it on the well, camera, Well, they knew right? 
they knew that Henkel used to be an addict and that's what caused his psychotic break. And Henkel does like grab his arm and is like, you're pitiful like my son. But look how grainy those camera feeds were. They didn't, wouldn't have seen three red dots. So if Spencer like didn't tell them, how would they know he did, he was on heroin, you know? Yeah. Like they it's- could have assumed the heart attack was from stress Everything and the else, and getting mark. beaten, yeah. not eating or drinking for three days, the fish fucking hearts, you know? So I just, I don't think, but they knew he was on drugs. We know they know he's on drugs. So like, I, it doesn't make any sense. And this is one of the big, like a lot of criminal minds bullshit I can work around. Yeah. This sure. is just like, there is never, there is no excuse for his team not getting him help. Period. Point blank. Yeah. Done. Like there is absolutely no excuse, and there's no excuse, and he he targets Emily. Oh, for sure. And there is no excuse for his, the team not standing up for Emily. So it's just like, what is what? What was the, the point, point of this, this? plotline? Like the this plotline, it just makes the team look terrible, with the exception of Emily who tries to be nice to Reed and tries to talk to him and every time he's an asshole to her and then the team just like lets him be an asshole to her. Um, it just makes everyone look terrible. So like, why did they do this at all? Like, I don't... Do you think ugh. this was a setup for the Strauss stuff in in season three? I mean, do you think this was one of those like we need to have something happen bad happen to the team that they are all covering up? Well, they mention Hutch mentions L like you knew about this suspicious shooting mm-hmm. that happened on my team. Like that would have been enough, I think, beyond the drugs and again alcoholism. It didn't have to be, especially because Strauss herself. Spoiler alert for like four seasons from now we learn as an alcoholic, you know, like, I don't know. I think there are other things they could have done. Yeah. It just like feels what like if, they what were... if they got, what if they got Spencer out of having to do therapy? What if it was about JJ, no one acknowledging JJ, never giving her therapy. Like I let the two youngest members of my team go alone to someone's house and one got kidnapped and tortured and one is now traumatized around dogs. Like, and I'm still letting them out into the field. Yeah. You know, that's enough, I think. Yeah, I feel like this was, they, (laughs) I feel like they didn't realize what a wealth of bad things the BAU did. So they were like, we have to throw something for them to push on in the Strauss stuff. But they had to like, then they were just like, but we don't want to deal with it for that long. So we'll just put in like a three episode mini arc of like Spencer getting addicted to drugs. Yeah. And also they had to fight to get this in. MTG was like, I'm really surprised like the studio let you do this. Like let him be addicted to drugs. And it was like. The ugh. studio was making up for the fact that they didn't let Emily be a lesbian. They were like, yeah, you can have <laughs> yeah. a drug boy. That's fine. Fine. No gays allowed, but he can be addicted to heroin for a few episodes, yeah. Just a few, though. Hey, Max, four episodes. I don't want to talk about it after that. And then they're done. <laughs> then we're done. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's 
read rate review. Okay. So. Yeah. Revelations. Overall. Goodness. James, what are you ranking this episode? Out of 10. That's so hard because I have so many issues with this episode, but I also really love it. (laughs) It's like still a good episode that compels you to stay in your seat and watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that what it does with Emily, what it does with JJ is so interesting. I'll give it an eight. Slightly less than last episode. Yeah. But not bad. I think I'm going to... I'm going to stick to my seven from last time. Okay. I'm going to stick to my seven. No, you know what? Put this down to a seven for me. You're going down to a seven? Yeah. Still, I think, a really good episode. Especially for this point in Criminal Minds. It's their first sort of like really big, good, planned mm-hmm. two-parter. Yeah, and it was filmed together. Like, they filmed them one right after another. Yeah, so... So they really did, like, fill it out. So, like, I get it. Uh, yeah, apparently they had to cut, like, 15 minutes off of this edit, the edit of this episode. That doesn't surprise me, actually. Yeah. That really apparently doesn't surprise like, me. I feel like we could have gotten a lot like more in this episode, but yeah. Yeah. Um, they did say the name of the episode within the episode. Mm-hmm. They did not no say Will's up. up because they didn't go anywhere. No. I don't um, know if they do next episode, but they do the one after that. We're so close. The, well, we had two, we had like two hits, right? And then we right. went back to none. Um, we also forgot to fill this out last time. Last episode, did they say the big game or not? I don't think they did. I think they did. I think in the first scene they did. Okay, that would make sense. I would believe it if you said it. Um, but they did not say wheels up, correct? No. Okay. Now we're all caught up. My spreadsheet is complete. <laughs> I am happy. All is good in the world because my spreadsheet is back to normal. <laughs> the road so far. <laughs> Next week on Wheels Up. Mm. Season 2, episode 16, Fear and Loathing. This is a good one. Is it? Okay. I I don't remember yeah. what this episode is. It's like the homeless guy with PTSD. Well, it's like the guy with PTSD who starts being homeless. It's good. Just me. Okay. Oh, Dave Ramsey from Arrow yeah. is in this? Okay. Yeah. It's all bangers from here on out. <laughs> all bangers from here on out. Yeah, rest of the season, all bangers. I love I love a good season full of bangers. This uh, this season has been really good. It's going to be hard for mm-hmm. us, I think, to find a best episode of this season. I know. I mean, I think I know what mine's going to be up the top of my head, but also I don't know. Me also, I don't know. putting legacy up top just because it does fundamentally change who I am as a person. <laughs> That's going to be next time on Wheels Up. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, at WheelsUpPod. Uh, you can, that's it. If you have corrections that we've gotten anything wrong, I feel like we haven't said yeah. this in a while, but if you have corrections, um, you can email us at wheelsup at brightcrownmedia.com or just like add yeah. us on Twitter or something. Hell yeah. Uh, it's also very nice and helpful if you help us out on Apple reviews or on like Apple podcasts, give us a, 
give us a good rating. We do read them, Ooh. and I do send them all to James, and we smile yes. and giggle like little schoolgirls because uh, <laughs> it does genuinely make us very happy. James, do you have an ending quote for me? I do. What's up? As the emo-ist emo JJ says, welcome to our nightmare. Nightmare. What's wrong with nightmare? The way you say it is weird. Nightmare. You say it like nightmare. like M I R instead of M A R. Nightmare.